nobody asked if they could. Nobody asked the question, can they do it? Can they do this? Can they do that? Nobody's asking the question, so how do we know the answer? And I just thought that was beautiful. Like, he came out with that. I was like, okay, there's our book. Hi, guys. David Schwab here. Welcome back to Beyond High Street. I say this a lot, but every week I do a pod, and I am inspired, touched, amazed uh, at the success of Miami alumni and the good they are doing. This pod is that times 100. Rob Snow has been a dear friend for 25-plus years uh, in school together, along with Rob's brother, Matt, both dear friends. Rob was the likable character in the fraternity, the one with a smile, the one that you wanted to be buddies with. He had a great sense of humor, still does today. When he finished school, he went to Chicago and gave comedy a shot, comedy and acting. He went to Second City, the improv stand-up, and did some acting work. He realized at some point that wasn't going to be a full-time career, moved back to Ohio with his wife, and had a sales job. He's got an, an older son, Charlie, and then in 2009, their world changed. Their world had to evolve and adapt. Uh, Henry was born. Henry was born with Down syndrome. Rob at the time was doing comedy, uh, moonlighting, and he was down in Columbus. He had done six shows over four nights. After one of the shows, he sat in his hotel room and thought, I need to do more. I can do more. And he wrote in the hotel room that night an hour-long comedy show called We Need a Sign to talk about the impact of his new evolved life. The last nine years, Rob and his family have created a number of unbelievable projects together. We Need a Sign, Stand Up with Downs, and most recently, Improvineers. Improvineers is a group of 25 people, 15 plus older, uh, with Down syndrome. They get together once a week for two hours, and they work on improv, work on communication skills, eye contact, projection of voice, quick thinking, self-confidence, all the things that would help anybody in their job skills and in life. And this group, later in 2019, is going to perform two shows in Cleveland, I am sure, two sold-out theaters. I really respect Rob and what he's doing, admire it a lot. I hope you guys listen to this pod, uh, take something from it, help Rob and the sport that he's doing, and are inspired as well. Thanks, guys, for listening. Have a great day. Stand Up for Downs, um, you know, normally for the first four years of our existence, we would be doing fundraisers left and right. We're doing all, and the, the whole idea was to enhance the lives of those with Down syndrome through humor and um, kind of using my background in comedy to, you know, this is the only thing I knew how to produce comedy events, how to do some comedy, um, marginally at best. But uh, we, we realized we could do that and get crowds in the door and then raise money. And we kicked that money out to all these different amazing Down syndrome organizations around the country. Last year, we switched platforms. And whether it was my kind of, you know, this is growing very difficult and kind of tiresome to just keep doing events left and right. And I think I was just losing hair over it all. But um, we developed a program. And that program, I, I really took this concept of improvisation um, that I had learned in Chicago in um, in the late 90s and took improvisation and said, you know what, if, if 
these individuals with Down syndrome that I've come to know for the last nine and ten, nine, ten years had some of these skills that you get from improvisation. And we're talking about, you know, um, communication skills like eye contact and projection of voice and, and presence and things like that um, combined with quick thinking abilities and um, self-confidence, um, learning to solve problems quickly, all these things, like, wow, this could really improve and enhance, like, workplace and social opportunities. So that, that was kind of the impetus for it all. So we started doing that once a month. I, I recruited a... Um, his uh, comic that I had worked with who had also started um, like the longest running improv troupe in Cleveland, you know, 20, 30 years ago or something. And he's amazing. His name is Jeff Blanchard. And he and I just started kind of riffing ideas and stuff. And we started teaching a class once a month. We saw immediate results and we were hearing from parents like, um, my kid is talking so much more now. They're, they're looking at me when I'm talking. Just things like that. And uh, so we said, what if we took a deep dive into this? And we created the Improvineers where we cast, um, we auditioned over 25 individuals with Down syndrome, all 15 years and older. And then we came up with a cast of 10. And so these Improvineers are now the, the world's first all down <laughs> improv troupe uh i you know we can you know <laughs> the research on that is uh is okay at best but <laughs> we're gonna stick to that so um and we you know and so for the last six months we've been diving in once a week for two hours um at a time and really taking them to the depths of improvisation and jeff and i are we document everything through video we document it through notes um we have a, a the person on staff, um, Maggie, who helps us coordinate everything and and takes notes. But it's, I mean, we're and we're, gosh, we're working with a behavioralist to help us kind of evaluate this. So, long answer to what what I'm doing here in the next um, few months with this is we continue to develop this program. It'll be going on six months now. Um, we have a big Christmas party, but really the what what kicks in is next year after a full year of training we're doing a huge show in the cleveland ohio um akron cleveland area um we'll have a lot of media attention and everything and the idea of that show is you know we're going to sell out a pack you know a, a big theater um for a couple nights and these people are going to see you know kind of the, the our endeavors you know they're going to see what what's happened here in the last year and the goal has always been not for somebody to walk out of a show um, watching these impro- improvineers and kind of, you know, go, oh, my gosh, that was really, wow, that was really, that was really neat. That was really amazing. You know, those people have Down syndrome and, and wow, they could really do some things. The goal is really for them to walk out and go, you know, holy, holy shit. Um, sorry if I'm no, not allowed to do that. You're allowed to. But just, you know, like, holy shit, these guys... Wow, I, Down syndrome or not, that these guys were amazing. Um, which is, you know, which if you're in the Down syndrome community enough, you get that already. You know that to be true, but it's kind of educating and making the rest of the world aware of what what people with Down syndrome can do and, and the heights they can achieve. So that's that's kicking in big um, starting next year. We've got performances coming up um, at different conferences. We'll we'll really be putting it out there. And then once we do that, we, 
you know, we write the book after that. So Jeff and I write the book on how to do this, and, and we disseminate that to all the Down Syndrome Associations, to places like, um, you know, Best Buddies you're aware of and Special Olympics and um, all these different organizations that we feel can really use these use this to do those very things, you know, so that we can improve. You know, it'd be great to have this troop that is just this really funny, great troop. But the reality is what we're trying to do is to show that improv can really lead to some of these job skills that might be the missing piece for those with Down syndrome. It's a, it's incredible what you guys are doing. I, I think I've shared before with my, my sophomore in high school daughter who participates in Best Buddies, and she thinks it's the most rewarding activity she does of all the different things she does. Socially, charity, sports, you name it. It's, yeah. it's the activity she looks forward to the most. But I want to go back because when I asked you to be on the pod, I said that um, – Yours is a little bit different than others in terms of where we've gone in direction of different business and uh, the uniqueness of how life changes and how we as people have to evolve and adapt with it. And to back to, and I appreciate you, you're being willing to do it because I think it's really important. The, the last statement you said, I think, is such a telling statement. And I, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I imagine that's something that is thought of a lot in the Downs community, as you just said, that you know and people in the community know um, that um, children and adults with Downs are amazing, period. No, no qualifiers to that. Um, and that maybe there's um, um, stigmatism or whatever the word is that what you don't want is you talked about walking out of a theater saying, oh, isn't that cute and isn't that great? What... Um, um, right. These people with Downs have. So just can you take a minute on that? Because I imagine that is part of a daily life for you um, in, in raising Henry and for you know all people in the world, no matter their age, um, with Downs and the families that, and, and support system they have. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's funny. Our, the, the, the guy I'm working with, the director um, of the program, Jeff, uh, you know, him coming from outside of the community, I think he said it best at one point. We were interviewing him, and he said, nobody nobody asked if they could. Nobody asked the question, can they do it? Can they do this? Can they do that? Nobody's asking the question, so how do we know the answer? And I just thought that was beautiful. Like, he came out with that. I was like, okay, there's our book. Um, but, it, it, you know, that's then that's the case, because in too many times in the entire disability community, and, I mean, you know, Dave, you can shake a stick, you know, swing a stick, and you're going to hit uh, so many people that are involved somehow with the disability community. I do um, public speaking around the country, and one of the things I ask every audience, no matter what the audience, if it's a corporate group, church group, disability group, whatever, is how many are related to somebody with a disability? Um, how many? Um, how many are close friends to someone related to somebody with a disability? And how many are are friends with somebody with a disability. And if I ask those three questions, I would say no matter what group, 75 to 80% is raising their hands at the end of that. And, and, it, and it's true. I mean, your close friends, you know, um, you and I are good friends, so you know me, you know other people that have uh, a child with a disability. So you're close to it now. It makes you close to it. So everybody can be aware of it. Um, you know, those who are probably related or closest to it, 
um, do fully understand, you know, the gifts that um, these people with disabilities have. And that uniqueness is we're finding out, oh, that, those differentiators are actually your strengths, you know. Um, it's funny, there was a poll done, uh, a survey done uh, a few years back, um, and it was, I think, a 1,000 individuals with Down syndrome were surveyed, uh, plus their families, and it came out, it was like 79% of parents are more happy um, with their lives or more fulfilled in their lives because of their child uh, with special needs. And then the other was, out of those surveyed with Down syndrome, 99% happy with their lives, 99%. And it's like, you, you know, go find me that demographic in this world. <laughs> it's, not, it's not men, it's not women, it's not Republicans and Democrats, it's, you know, it's not Americans or Europeans. It's, I mean, people with Down syndrome, and you think, my gosh, it's not for anybody to look at a person with Down syndrome and, and feel bad in any way, shape, or form, because they certainly don't. It's for us to kind of admire that and kind of go, wow, how can we, you know, we have challenges, we all have challenges in our lives, how do we... How do we take? How do we learn from them in some of their challenges and staying so positive? So, and when you finish Miami, we're going to talk about Miami here in a second. But you, I know you went up to Chicago and and went the route of improv, and you know you were going to be the next Jerry Seinfeld. Maybe you are. St- you are the next Jerry Seinfeld. Hey, there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> uh, and and then th- there was a a period of time where you went into sales and and other types of work before you started uh, thinking in this space, um, you know, a- after, after y- your, your guy was born there, Henry, um, and, and I love a line that you, s- you said earlier, and I've read it before from you, that simply says, I have a son with Down syndrome and a background, background in comedy. The rest of the story is the merger of these two passions. I love it. It's simple. It's great. So, when, so back then in 2009, 2010, when you started to think, hey, I could do something, what was first? What, what did you create first or do first? And then were you thinking this was a sustainable idea to, for, the, for your family um, or for something greater than that? Uh, such a great question, Dave. Um, it was so interesting because we moved to a um, little town outside of Cleveland um, from Chicago in 08, and I hadn't performed comedy in, I think it was almost a decade. It was about eight years. And, like, literally cold turkey hadn't, and I had done that for, you know, the first four or five years of my life in Chicago and, you know, was so into it um, between stand-up and improv and some acting. And and then I just kind of quit because I really wanted just, that. I was, it was getting hard, Um the road was so arduous, and, you know, I was just kind of burnt out on it, and so I wanted that real job, and I did that and got with a company that, you know, was great and advanced in the company, a few few rungs and things like that, so, you know, we were living downtown Chicago, and we had uh, our first son, Charlie, and he was about four, and my wife had had a very serious job with an insurance brokerage for, you know, 15 years, and one day she just came home and said, I'm... I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> and, uh, she used the word retire, and I kind of laughed. And like, why are you laughing? I'm like, well, you can't access your 401k, and uh, you're not 67, so about <laughs> <I'm> quitting. <laughs> don't, don't sugarcoat it. But anyway, she's like, either way, I'm done. Figure it out. So I was like, well, they got half off housing in Ohio, so why don't we head back there? And um, 
and it, and it worked out just amazing. But literally, um, you know, nine months after we moved to Ohio, this little town, we had Henry. Um, and so, but I also, for some reason, started doing stand-up comedy even before we had Henry. Uh, started again, just doing like open mics, guest sets, just little gigs here and there, five minutes at a time. And then we had Henry and our world exploded and, um, you know, initially in a, in a very difficult way um, because you just don't know, you know, I was so naive to Down syndrome. So, you know, after I did, I kept doing kind of the comedy I got, but it was always just kind of a, just kind of a, pastime. It was never something I was going to be taken seriously again. I just kind of enjoyed doing it. And then I got better and a little better. And somebody fun, you know, somebody in Columbus, a club down in Columbus asked me to feature for them, which is like the middle guy. And I had never done that. And it was interesting because I, I went down and I featured, I did the six shows and four nights and 30 minutes a show and it really went well. And, but I got in my room on Sunday night after that last show and I had this realization, and that was that I was never going to do comedy in this manner again. Um, like, I'd done it, you know. I ran my marathon bucket list, checked it off. and But I knew I still had something more to say. So that night in that hotel room, I started writing my first show, which was called We Need a Sign. And that was like a one-hour, one-man show about kind of the... Um, you know, the, the commonalities we share or I share with other parents raising a child with special needs, the, you know, the challenges, some of the laughs. Um, so then that kind of propelled me and that, that show kind of got picked up, you know, from different people started hearing about it, word of mouth. All of a sudden I'm performing this show, you know, 15, 20 times a year around the country. And then a few years later, as I'm going to all these conferences and seeing all these amazing organizations in the Down syndrome community, the idea of Stand Up for Downs came in because I really wanted to do more. I joined my local board, my local Down syndrome association board, so I knew about being on a board and what that was, but I wanted to do more personally. So that's how Stand Up for Downs. It was never something that I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll quit my day job eventually. And this will... I didn't really know where it was going, and that was kind of the beauty of it. Um, I mean, if you looked at our board, I guess, compared to some other boards, and I'm sure some that you're on, Dave, and, you know, I've even been on, it's, it's a, purposely a very kind of loose board. Um, we're all working, you know, there's, we just hired our first part-time staff member this year, so that was kind of where we were at with that, all of it. So before I go and ask what the future is and the the five-year goal or um, vision or hope, go. let's go back one sec to the time we were back in school in Oxford in the early 90s. And what, what do you remember about Miami? And um, what do you remember in terms of either tools or thinking or independence that either allowed you to go to Chicago and try to figure something out yourself or gave you some of those skill sets that when life circumstances happened in Ohio that you evolved and, and went in the path you've done and are doing now? Yeah, I talk a lot about some of this in, the sh in my show where it's like, um, you know, our past is our prologue. I never understood what that meant until, you know, really now where so many of the things that we did in our past shape us to who we are now. I mean, Dave, to be honest, I look at, I look at things that you did in Miami and I was just like, gosh, that guy was, you, you were just, you were doing so much. You took full advantage of, 
of Miami, and I, I, I'm jealous of that. And, you know, at the time I was just, you know, I got into the, the, the fraternity, and then the fraternity kind of became my life there, and I, I missed so much of Miami in terms of the clubs I could have belonged to and, and that sort of thing. I was a mass communications major, which I, I did love. Um, but I, I didn't feel, not until, not until my last class, senior year, did I get my true education at Miami. I mean, I love Miami for everything that it offered, but that last, I took, um, I took history of Miami with Doc Shriver and, um, Went in there, me and a buddy. It was a pass fail class, so I was like, "All right, just take this last class. I got a foot out the door. I'm done. I'm ready to head to Chicago." And we go in to this class. Did you ever take history, of Miami? I didn't. I didn't. Oh, regrets. Um, so you're gonna really regret it after this start. So um, go in there. It's one of these amphitheater classes, you know, and you know, 400 and 500 people or whatever. And the TA is writing on every panel of the blackboard, all around the room, notes. I'm like, what the hell? What is this? I, this is supposed to be pass-fail. So I'm like, wait a minute. So Doc Shriver walks in, and, you know, he, he was a figure. I mean, just a, kind of a stout guy, the bald head. And I think he probably was about 80. And everybody at campus had had some interaction with Dr. Shriver at that point, you know, whether they heard a story or a lecture. And, of course, he knew the Shriver Center. Well, he walks in, and he <laughs> he begins the class. And from the second he opens his mouth to the very last breath of the very last class, not just me, but every person in that class was mesmerized, just in awe. He would tell this story. Every class was a story, beginning, middle, and end. You never took notes. You didn't have to. You remembered everything. And it was then that I learned what what education was. Like, this is education. This is amazing. And, I mean, he talked about, like, World War II at Miami, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And I walked home on the very last class. We walked back to the house, and um, I was with, you know, one of my, one of my best friends. And we were like, I go, i got to write him a letter. i gotta t- I got to tell him what this class meant, meant to me. So we get back to the house, and there's a bunch of guys in the, the TV room. And I'm like, um, <laughs> You know, I get caught up. What are you guys watching? And they're like, I don't know, Quantum Leap or something. And I go, uh, and then by the time I was, you know, started, I sat down. I go, oh, I'll get to the letter later. And then, like, two episodes of Quantum Leap later, I'd forgotten about writing the letter. So, so like, three years later, we're at, I'm at, um, up in a place called Lakeside, Ohio. And my parents have a little cottage up there. It's really cool. It's up on Lake Erie. And... Dr. Shriver has a house up there. And my dad is up there and he goes, you know, Dr. Shriver lives up here and there's his house. And when the Miami flag is flying, um, means he's there. And it's a real front, front porch kind of community. And so I, sure enough, I look in the front porch and there he is. And I go up, <laughs> I go up, knock on the door. He gets up and he goes, yes, yes. Well, how can I help you, young man? I go, Dr. Shriver, I just want to say, my name's Rob Snow. I, uh, I took your class senior year, history of Miami, all my siblings went to Miami, and I just want to say, this it was the greatest class I ever took in my life, and I started, like, telling him things I remember about it, and um, and so he and his wife had come out, too, and was talking to us, and, you know, he, he shakes my hand, well, thank you very much, young man, thank you, and his wife gives me a hug, and she's crying, 
she goes, she goes, you have no idea what this means to him. So, um, so that happens. I'm feeling amazing about this. I'm like, I finally got to tell him. And that felt so good for me to tell him. And a few years later, you know, he's probably 90 and, and he passes away. And I was pretty sad, but I obviously I knew, you know, and, uh, but it hit me. And so I wrote a letter to the Miami student and I never heard if it got published or anything. Basically the letter was kind of what the story I'm telling you right now. And I write this letter to the Miami student. And so, um, I don't know if it gets published or anything. A few, few well, about a week or so later, my mom calls me up and she's like, Robbie, I'm so proud of you. I go, what are you talking about? She goes, that letter you wrote. What letter, Mom? To Dr. Shriver. What are you talking about? But she was down at this house in Lakeside, and she goes up and knocks on the door, and, you know, several people were there, and I think this was after the funeral. Some of the family congregated back there, and she says, I'm so sorry for your loss, and my kids all went there. And she says, what's your name? She says, well, my name's Leslie Snow. And Darcy Shriver, who's, um, did you know Darcy? I did not. Okay, so that's his daughter, but she, she was big at Miami, too, um, and worked there all her life. And Darcy comes out, she goes, Rob Snow's mom? <laughs> my mom's like, uh, yeah. She goes, get in here. And so she comes in, and she goes, that letter your son wrote. And my mom's like, what are you talking about? Again, I don't even know this is published from the student. And so she goes, you don't know about the letter. She goes over to her table, and on the table is a stack about a foot high. And it was a two-page letter, so it was stapled, of my letter. And she gives it to my mom. My mom reads it. And they, they were passing this out at the funeral. And you can imagine his funeral. I mean, this guy was, he was so educated, Oxford, I mean, Oxford, England, you know, um, Harvard, Yale, I mean, all these places. And he had governors at the funeral, presidents. Of all this. So he's passing this out. They're passing this out at the funeral. This letter of mine that I just kind of wrote on a whim, you know, it was very heartfelt. I'm sure that you can archive it in the Miami student somewhere. But, um, you know, and then I went down. They said, you have, to, you have to have Rob come down and meet us. So I went down, you know, weeks or months later, and they were all down there. And they give me, they give me a signed copy of his book um, and a tie. They gave me one of his ties. They'd only given out four of his ties three presidents of universities, and me. Got, got this red and white Miami tie. It's incredible. It, 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 uh, it, it was insane. It, it, well, and and uh, what Doc Shriver meant to so many and what you did in your response back kind of defines the Miami family. So uh, I, yeah. I, I think that's really good. Let's close with, give me three years from now, um, two years from now, the Improvineers is doing what um, and or what you have created and then we'll build with the, uh, the book or the, the guidebook of what right. the Improvineers is. Right. Well, hopefully by the end of next year, we'll have that book done and then we disseminate that. Fortunately, with what we've done in our first four or five years with uh, Stand Up for Downs, we've, we've gained a lot of fans because we've, we've given out a lot of money. Um, so I always say this, I've got a few markers out there of people who can help me out and, and, but they'll want this book. I mean, I think we'll be able to prove the value of this program and this book will become kind of a course, you know, where, where we can come in and kind of train the trainers on it. Um, there'll be an online guide for it. 
um, where they can actually see these structures and games that we, we do in the improv classes. They'll be able to see them online. Um, you know, I think and hope, yeah, I, I hope there's going to be kind of a documentary out there with it, whether it's a short or a full 90-minute documentary. I think the story is going to be that impactful and, and meaningful. Um, I've already got uh, two or three people that are documentarians and have had some, some pretty good success that are good friends and um, from past life and um, really interested in it and, and want to help. Um, but I, I think that's it. And, and, and then I think we create more troops, so there'll be more of these improvineer troops around the country just taking <laughs> taking over. You know, you've done a good job, Schwab, of, um, you know, really uh, talking about improv and the importance of it for anybody. Um, I think in several of your podcasts that I've listened to so far, um, it is valuable. And I think it's so valuable, that skill set to be able to walk into a job and have kind of that confidence that almost anything that is said, you can run with, um, that you're ready for it. And so hopefully that's the lesson we get, certainly in the Down syndrome community, and we start to see results. And ultimately what we have is people with Down syndrome, we're going to see more of them. They're going to be more forward-facing, customer-facing in jobs. They're not going to be, you know, some of the jobs that they have now are great. Um, I've never met a person with Down syndrome that wasn't just thrilled with the job that they have and to have a job. Um, But I think we're going to see... um, you know, jobs, again, that, that expand kind of the opportunities out there for them. Um, you know, managers and, and people who are, you know, more, like I said, more customer-facing. Uh, I think we're going to see that. So hopefully we can be a little part of that um, in this world, and I think that's where we're going to be in two or three years. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Rob. Improvineers, folks, check them out. Rob, good for you. You are doing great things out there in the world um, for the community and for your son. Thanks for taking the time. Everybody, thank you for listening and sharing each of these pods and this one in particular because of what it stands for. Love Miami. See it, Skippers. Skippers.